Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to FCN's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about how to run a prospect or sales call. We had this question come up recently in the Facebook community, and we realized that we haven't covered it in a long time. And we said, well, it's time to do it again. Yeah. And earlier this week, we had our business meeting and Emily uh, almost gave a couple of the things that she wanted to ambush me with. And she goes, no, no, I'm going to, I'm going to wait for the podcast. So uh, I'll be interesting to see what, what comes uh, that you wanted to make sure that I was ambushed with this week. Oh, I can never, I can never surprise you. These aren't, these aren't too hard because you've covered all, right. all of this in launch. So yeah, that's, that's how I know. It. That's how I know what questions to ask. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's all rock. Right. We're going to, we're going to start with kind of, the very basics is what, what is the purpose of a prospecting call? Okay. So let's talk about what the generic purpose is, and then we can talk about a more strategic purpose, right? Okay. So obviously the, the generic purpose, if you ask the average person is to try to get a sale, right? The prospect call is the first opportunity for you to be able to get a sale a more sophisticated person and a lot of trainings will talk about, you know, this is your time to show value, to be able to demonstrate, this is what I do. This is why it's valuable to you. And this is why you should want it. Right. And so that, that's a big push that you'll see in a lot of trainings with the prospect call. Yeah. I, I definitely heard that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I think it's not bad advice is just incomplete, right? And it's the, it's incomplete in a way that is potentially problematic because it, the more important parts are left out, right? Showing value is important, but there are things that are more important in the prospect call, right? The first one is that you want to identify whether or not this is a good bit. Right. And for a lot of people, that's, that's hard to do, right? It's hard to say, I've got a person in front of me, they seem like they want the service and, Ooh, this is not really a good fit, but it, it, it is important that that is a big part of your prospect call, right? Are they, and a fit is from a multitude of different perspectives, right? The primary goal of the prospect call is to find out what their needs are. And that is the first part of fit. Right. Right. Is do they have needs that are going to be in alignment with what I do? Right. They don't. One of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to be asking you questions that you are not allowed to answer. 
I've had prospect calls where people were really interested in getting, um, getting an estate plan done. And I help people with the strategy around the state estate plan with actually getting everything set up for the estate plan. But I am not an attorney. I don't create the estate planning documents. I don't create their trust. That's not what I do. And even though, yeah, I could totally help them with an estate plan, if their primary goal is getting their estate plan put together and they don't really have a need for any of the other parts of my financial planning service, my broader financial planning service, it is going to be a very, very bad fit. Right? And they are going to be frustrated because <laughs> I'm charging them a lot of money for things that they don't care about. And the thing that is at the core of what they really care about, which is the creation of the documents, they are going to go and have to find an attorney to put that together. And the value that I bring to the table of estate planning is not sufficient to cover the fee, right? To justify the fee, right? Because the estate planning is an important right. part, but it's a small part of what I do. So when we look at that, the, the, the client is going to get frustrated. In the case of a financial coach, if they're really interested in investments and working on their 401k and their retirement planning, that is a bad fit for you because either you're going to be putting yourself into a position where you are breaking the law and having legal liability associated with it, or you're going to rightfully constantly be telling them, that's not something I can do. You should work with a licensed financial, right? right? Which is not going to go well for them referring to their friends. Right. They are more <laughs> likely to refer to their friends if you tell them. And I have had this happen on more than one occasion where I've told people, you know what? This is not a good fit. This would be a waste of your money. Here is what I do. This is what you need. Here's where what you need and I do overlap. And there's not enough overlap to justify the fee. Here is what you should do instead. You should go and talk to so on and so forth. And I have gotten uh, referral business from that, from people who have never been clients because they appreciated it. Man, I've done that too, but I haven't gotten referrals from that. <laughs> I've done that probably a lot more than you have. Probably, so. yeah, the percentages. It'll work out someday. Yeah, yeah. I it's have all had about people numbers, say like, right? wow, you're great. I'm, I need to like tell people to work with you. So I've heard that. I just haven't, haven't right. actually gotten the referral yet. No. Yeah. Maybe I should reach out to them again, actually. I think you should. And I have <laughs> yeah. a process for following up on, wow, you're great. I should refer people to you. So there you go. See, I need, yeah, having, I need my CRM in place so that I can yeah. make that automated. Having the entire ecosystem is really important. Yeah. So the, so that's the first part of, of, is this a good fit, right? Do they have a need, right? And ultimately yeah. that's your, your primary objective or should be your primary objective is understanding their needs in this call. Okay. This another part of fit is, do you like them? Right. Right. You are going to be spending a lot of time with these people. It's going to suck if you really don't like them during that first conversation. Yeah, right. I think. And I think you guys covered a lot of this in the, the last. The one you guys did to like two years ago around prospecting some of this, yeah. this conversation. I think I remember this. And yeah. then and then the final part of it is. You know, 
are they willing and ready to change? Right. Because that will frustrate you. Right. Okay. And so those are, those are with, with the fit, that's what we want to look for. And then the kind of the final component or the, the other really, really important thing is building trust. Yeah. Right. Your value and the value of your service, you can do that through brochures. You can do that through follow-up emails. You can do that through, I'm going to send you a video of a demo of the software that I use. Right. Yeah. There's lots of ways that you can do that. You can't build trust right. through a brochure or through an email. And so that's a big focus of that prospect and that sales call. And yeah, showing your value. Absolutely. Great idea. Totally not as important as identifying yeah. if there's a fit and building trust. I've had people already to sign up before they even heard about what my program was just by having the conversation with me and that yeah. like talking about their goals and talking about and building that trust. And they're like, okay, I'm ready to sign up. Like you don't even know what the program is. <laughs> so <clears throat> I completely agree with that. Um, so, okay. So knowing all of that, I want to kind of back up. So I have kind of a, a script, very rough script that I follow kind of general guidelines in general. Is that a good idea to have something that you kind of just kind of, so you know what you want to cover and have kind of some good questions ready to go. I think early on, you want a script. You want something where you can have consistency from call to call. You can identify in the calls. Oh, over and over and over again. When I say this phrase, there's a something weird happens. So I want to change that <laughs> phrase. Right. right. So yep. I think in the beginning, it's really important to actually have a script. A lot of people will try to wing it. And yeah. I've done that too. <laughs> yeah. There's two problems. I have one. It. Number one, you're not making sure that you're checking all the boxes that you need to check. Right. And number two, the problem with winging it is it makes it impossible to actually make strategic, scientifically sound changes to your process to improve it. Right. right? <clears throat> because you do something different every time. And you're going to just going to end up with recency bias of, oh, this la this person didn't sign up and this was what I did with them. And this was like the person I just had a conversation with two minutes ago. So I'm going to change all sorts of things with regards to how I do my process, my sales call, just because one person didn't sign up. And you tried one thing one time and that person just happened to not sign up, right? right. If you have consistency, you have no way of identifying a trend. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so I think scripts are really important. I don't use scripts. Well, you don't need one anymore, right? I don't need one anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because you just know it now. Yeah. And there's yeah. that and there's all, but I have a lot of consistency, right? Yeah. And there's also, I have a very specific way that I open. That is, that was my next question. Ready to go, right? Yes. And then after that, after that very specific way that I open, I then have a series of things that I want to make sure that we touch on. Yep. And I look for opportunities in the natural conversation to mention those things. 
right? Mm, right. And, yeah. And then at the end, I will say, hey, here are a couple of things that you may want to know, right? And do you want me to do you want me to mention them, talk about them real quick, or would you like me to send you an email with them, right? To allow the, the prospect right. to say how important it is to me. Okay. So talking, backing up to that, the opener. Now, this is something that opening statement you helped me with. I don't remember when it was, when it was, it was, it was after launch, but it was as being an FCN member that it was one of our office hours. Of that, office hours yeah. yeah. That we, we worked through the, the prospecting call. And remember you asked me, you asked both of us a question. So what do you guys say when you first get a prospecting call? And we both give our answers and you're like, okay, what's the problem with that statement? <laughs> <laughs> and we both figured it out, but it was, but it was very eye-opening to me that I think a lot of people like that opening statement really is important, right? So like, what, what are the keys to having a good opening statement to help set that tone for the conversation? Now I'm curious what your original opening statement was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it might still be recorded. I don't know. It might be. Yeah. Yeah. The, so the key to the opening statement is to realize how much power it has. Right. It, it is going to, it, it's going to do so, so many things. Right. And I, I think I will, I'll focus on for the purposes of this short podcast, right. right? Keep I think I'll focus on two aspects of it. Okay. Um, the first aspect is that it's going to set the stage for how they're going to perceive everything from then on out. Right. And this is, this is what's known in psychology as the primacy effect, right? Part, a portion of the primacy effect, you can kind of think of it as uh, first impressions, right? right. And what, what ends up happening is, you know, if you, if you get a new job and you are late to work uh, two times that first week, you have established that you are a person that's late to work regularly. And so if you are then never late to work ever again, except for maybe twice a year, they're going to view that twice a year as, see, I knew they're always late to work. <laughs> True. Right? If on the yep. other hand, you get a new job and you are on time for the first three months, right? Or 10 minutes early or 15 minutes early for the first three months. and then you're late to work one day a month, every month, you're going to be that person. They're never late to work. They just have weird things that come up in their lives. Yeah. Right. And your opening statement is going to set the stage. It's going to create this effect within the other person of how they're going to interpret everything else you say. Yeah. And the other thing that the opening statement is going to do is it's going to help them to determine whether or not they want to pay attention. In advertising, we have what's called the rule of five. People will pay attention to the first five words of anything. And after about five words, they have a decision point to make. Do I care? Right? So the question is, what are your first five words? Oh man, mine aren't very good now that I look at them. Right. <laughs> and that's really, really important. What are you going to say in the first five words that is going to matter? 
right? So the, um, you know, and, and hello doesn't really count, right? That's just- Right, sort of, the little niceties. It's yeah, when you really dive into the conversation. When you, when you, right. Now, if you have too long of niceties, they will take right. over from that first five words. Absolutely. Right. You have to know when to stop and make it very clear yeah. that you get, you're starting the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and with the, one of the things that you want to do and make sure that you do with those first five words is don't make it about you. I was trying to get to that, but I wasn't sure how to ask that question because that was the big, the big learning for me mm-hmm. when we went through that was don't talk about yourself, make it about them and not you. Yeah. A lot of people want to, and you'll hear this a lot, you know, during that prospect call, you have to showcase your expertise and so on and so forth. It's, again, it's not bad advice, but it's incomplete and it leaves off the most important stuff. Your first five words should be about them. I think right. a really great opening line is, how are you doing today? I, that's a great yeah. opening line. Right. It's all about them. Yeah. Yeah. It's about them. It allows them to talk. It allows them to say, um, you know, how they're doing. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, and it might not be good. And that's, that's kind of the point, right? That's the reason they contacted you. Yeah. And so that, I think that's a good starting point, right? How are you doing today? And then don't make that a niceties, right? This is, this is a mistake that you'll hear. It's some, a lot of people will actually say, hey, how are you doing today? But they make that part of the niceties. Right. And what that means is they get an answer and they go, okay, now let's start my script. Right. right now let's start the sales call. If you're going to start with, how are you doing today? Make that the start of the sales call and engage with that answer. And the tone, the way you ask it even can tell them that you're, you're not just, you're not just asking, you don't want the, like the grocery store clerk answer of, oh, I'm good. Right. You don't want that. You want to actually know how are you doing today? Yeah. Yeah. You know, another thing that is a really good opening line after you get through the niceties is so tell me why we're talking. Right. Other yeah. ways of saying that is, so what challenges are you experiencing? Right. So uh, starting off with them, uh, giving a space for them to be able to talk about their challenges is really, really important. I have a completely different opening. That's not that. Right. Well, right. Cause you do different work. I do different work. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have a different client niche. So my opening is very specific for them. Right. But my opening in, in, it doesn't disinvite this, but it in no way invites them to talk about their financial situation. Right. But it is a very open, friendly, trust building statement. Right. That's that's kind of the the goal of that opening line of my opening line. And people interpret that as I want to talk about my financial situation. (laughs) Right. Right. And for people that are struggling financially, they interpret that as I'm going to talk about all my challenges. And so the fact that mine doesn't specifically invite that, but that's what people naturally interpret it as and talk about showcases how valuable just asking people 
what challenges are you having, right? The people that are coming to a financial coach are more likely to be people that really want to talk about that. Right. And giving them that can be a really, really good um, starting point, right? As Emily wants Emily wants to hear your opening line. Uh, my opening line is a basically a version of uh, this is for me to answer your questions, so ask away, right? It's not that, but it's it's basically me yeah. inviting them to ask questions. I don't right. I don't want to use my exact line mainly because it is tailored specifically to my niche and the wording that I use is not going to be good or appropriate for a lot of other niches. Right. Right. So, yep. uh, but my opening line, broadly speaking, and, you know, somewhat specifically is, um, you know, th- I, I, I want to answer your questions. So what are your questions? Right. What, what questions can I answer for you? What, what, what do you want to talk about? Right. And it's, it's, like I say, it doesn't invite, tell me about your challenges, right? It also doesn't disinvite it, right? It allows them to make the choice. But a lot of people, they talk about their challenges. And I think for a financial coach, um, starting there would probably be a good place. Now, yeah. if you have in your prospect information, a little bit of information related to what their challenges are, I do before they come in, I have templates where they have the opportunity to give me insight into what they want, what they're dealing with, right? Then that can be woven into your opening line, right? You know, I saw that you're struggling with credit card debt. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Right. Right. I, I think that can be a really good opening line as well for, uh, for financial coaches. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, they're coming to you for a reason. Right? They come to me for a reason as well. Right. They come, they're coming to you for a reason. And you, if you, if you have insight into that reason already, start with that because that's the thing they've already said they're willing to share. That's the thing that's already top of mind. That's the thing that we already know they care about. So how about we start with what they care about? So once, once you get through this initial discussion, which could take a yeah. while, right? Because, because additional questions, you know, tell me more, that kind of thing. And just mm-hmm. diving deeper into that. Um, you had talked also about wanting to hear about goals. So what if you didn't, so what if you didn't cover goals well enough in that conversation? You probably want to get a little bit of that from that, but. Well, I don't cover goals at all. Okay. So, yeah. but you in, mentioned. In call, don't cover goals at all. But you, you mentioned having your goals align as far as like what they want to get out of the relationship. Oh, yes. So that's, that has to do, you mean their needs? Their needs. Yeah, yeah. Their needs, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that has a lot to do with, you know, making sure that I have an understanding of what they're looking for, what they're trying to achieve. Right. And part of that I get prior to the meeting in, in my intake form, right. My intake form is the calendar scheduling questions. Right. Just a few questions. Right. Yeah. Just two. Yeah. It's, it's not a complicated, like I don't do 20 questions and tell me your whole history of your finances kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's just very simple. And I'm not even asking 
pointed questions. It's more, what do you want to talk about? Right. What do you want to share? Right. Is basically the goal of it. Okay. And so I, I'm not looking for goals uh, or their, or their, what they're trying to achieve in that first conversation from any detail perspective. It's very much a, just generally, why are we talking? Right. Um, you know, I'm drowning credit card debt. Okay. So now I know that's the primary thing they're working on through the conversation. Maybe it also comes up with their spouse just lost their job. Okay. So now I know there's these two needs. Does that fit within what I do? Right. Um, and so that's, for me, I don't have a very structured process for like identifying the specific goals in the initial call. Right. Cause that's um, in the coaching. Yeah. That's part of the process yeah. of actually working. With mm-hmm. now, I might do it in a follow-up call, right? So after the first call, if the, if the prospect wants a secondary call, right. Then I might do it because in that call, I want to make sure to showcase, have them have the experience of a little bit of what the actual working together is going to look like, right? So the secondary call, I might do it Okay. Depending on what the prospect is looking for. <clears throat> so do you have any specific questions or, so is that that first opening line, does that kind of drive the whole conversation around what their needs are? Yeah. Generally and then have that- a some other follow-up questions you might ask to really get at that. Yeah. So, so I start with, you know, what, what questions do you have? We go through questions. They will, um, they will either come at it with one of three situations. Either they will have very specific questions they want to answer, right? They want answered. So I'll just go through those questions. And generally that checks all my boxes, right? When a person is like that, all the things Mm -hmm. that I want to share, they're asking about. So I'm done. Yep. Right. The, the second type of person is a person that, um, you know, talks a little bit about what they want, but doesn't really know what they want to ask. And they will usually admit that and say, well, what should I be asking? Well, that right? question actually kind of came up in the Facebook community today too. What questions do you want a, a client to ask you? We can talk about that later, right? Yeah, that might have to be a separate live. A whole separate podcast, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The third question, uh, the third type is, are the people that um, they don't really have questions they have to ask me. They are just in desperate need, right? For any number of different reasons. Uh, Desperate need could be they're in huge credit card debt. Desperate need could also be they got a letter from their employer after they quit that says that they've got 30 days to tell them what to do with their ESOP money or it's going to be distributed and there's going to be a massive tax liability associated with it. Yeah. And so they're not really, they just want to talk about that and how I can help them with that. And nothing else matters to them. Right. How, in that case, though, how would you, is that something somebody would want to work with? Or is this just, is that, yeah, like, I mean, let's that's... say, let's say it was a case where you could work with them and help them with the broader picture, but they were so focused on that one part that they couldn't see it. How would you work into that conversation, your whole program and how you, yeah, so I think that the big thing is to determine 
does your program specifically address this or not? Okay. Right. <laughs> so you're, if they're in credit card debt and that's what they're stressed out about, most likely building a budget, putting together a debt payment plan and the other things that financial coaches do is going to specifically address that need. Right. Right. If on the other hand, they are unemployed and not sure how to deal with that, right? Now you've got, or they become disabled or whatever else it happens to be. Now you've got a, a decision point that you have to make, right? And you have to get good at making these decision points quickly or telling them, I want to think about on your situation and get back to you, right? And the decision point is, is what I do going to help them with that specific need? Okay. And, if, and if that specific need doesn't, uh, there's a lot of parts of what I do that's not relevant to that specific need. Do I have a process for making, um, for being able to help them with that before I put them into my main program? Okay. If you don't have an already established process, you don't want to get into that. That's going to take right. an enormous amount of time for you. And it's going to take time away from all the other clients that you could serve. Right. right. So if the answer to those is no, then it's, you know, I really think you need to talk to this person first, this type of person first. Once that's taken care of, then we'll be able to actually sit down and do the budget and everything else. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to schedule another meeting with you for three months from now or six months or two months or whatever the time period that's reasonable to get that thing done. Right. Let's get it on the books now. And I'd like you to contact whatever it happens to be, right? Whatever the situation, you know, a, a disability specialist, or I'd like you to contact your state's employment development department, or I'd like you to contact a, a headhunter or a resume person, right? Whatever, whatever, the, whatever other professional can help to solve this immediate need so that we can begin working together. Because if they are focused on an immediate need, no matter how great you are, their experience with you is going to be that you are terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's not addressing the thing that they are. Right. The main on. thing. Yeah. And they're not going to make any progress because you're not yeah. addressing the thing that they are focused on. Yeah. All right. It makes sense. So, you know, when you're in that situation, you really need to kind of get good at saying, ooh, back to fit. This is not a good fit. All right. So you can move on. Can I ask one last question? Yeah, we can do one. We more. have enough time to do one more. Okay. So you've had this, this great conversation with them and you feel like you feel like it's a good fit and you can help them with it. What is the transition between that conversation and, and like the sale essentially? So where, where do you tell them? Like, essentially, I know you talked a little bit earlier about having like, oh, I have, you know, I can tell you a little bit about my program or I can send it to you um, yeah. separately. Like, how, how does that conversation transition from the heart to heart to the, okay, sales call, but not too salesy, right? 
So I'll tell you what I do. And then I'm going to tell you, do as I say, not as I do. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I actually tell people, I don't want them to make the decision now. Yeah. You've said that before. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I have them make the decision in the future. I make sure that there are systems in place for them to be able to make that decision. So for me to be able to follow up with them on making that decision as well. But um, again, based on who I work with and other things, that's what I do. Right. Um, I, I don't, again, do as I say, not as I do in this situation. Right. I think the transition that, for most coaches makes the most sense right? is a very natural transition of summarizing what it is that they are wanting to accomplish, right? yep. expressing to them how you think that you can help them and then asking them, would you like help? Right. Yeah. Very simple. You know, just from, from what I've heard, you know, it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're, you're really needing to deal with this, with this, and with this. Okay. I think that what we do together is going to solve those things because of this, this, and this. Okay. Would, would you like my help with it? Yeah. And I think that's a really elegant, nice transition into closing that sale. And that doesn't happen, have to happen until like pretty, like the very end of the conversation, right? Like you could talk for a good 20 minutes, 25 minutes, depends how long your prospecting call is, right? Um, well, you definitely don't I'll, want it at the, in the minute two, right? But, <laughs> right. You, you know, ideally you want it at the very end. Yeah. Right. That's what you want to close with. You, you don't want to have other things that you talk about afterward because now you're just distracting from the question of, do you want help with it? Right. Right. Well, and it gives you time to, to establish that trust, like you talked about and get that, the rapport and, and, and show, just get the communication um, between the two of you. Cause it's, I mean, it's so important. I feel like to, you, you can get a pretty good feel of, whether or not you think you're going to like working with some, even in that short period of time, you can usually get a pretty good feel of whether or not you'd enjoy working with them or not. <clears throat> oh yeah. I, some of my things on my list of like, these are the things I want to make sure are happen during this prospect call is include things like, I want to make sure that I say something in a certain way that's going to gauge how a person is going to respond to certain things. Right. Okay. So right. if you are the type of person that drops the F-bomb a lot with your clients, you need to drop the F-bomb during the prospect call. Right. right. <laughs> if part of like your philosophy of coaching is you're going to say, what the F are you doing? Why did you spend that money? Right. That's part of your philosophy. You need to drop the F-bomb during the prospect call. Um, right. Right. Not, don't make it every other word. Right. But do it no. once. <laughs> right. Right. Just once because, as a test. Yeah. Right. If you see on their face that they are mortified that you're doing <laughs> You do not want them as a client. No, because <laughs> you have to watch in your mouth all the time. It and you're going to fail at it. <laughs> yeah, and it wouldn't be any fun because if that's part of it's part of you and your you and your yeah, personality and how you coach, self. you want to be yourself. Yeah, yeah. 
So, you know, it's real. I, I think that that's, you know, having things in there that help you to figure out that fit from that personality standpoint are going to be important. Yeah. And I have a psychology, psychological base. So I'm part of my niche right. is figuring out, do they have the right psychology? That's why my call and my process is very different than most people's because of because my niche is very psychology based. Yeah. So. I might have to look at my uh, my script again. I, I think mine's pretty decent. I've developed it over the last I, few years, but um, yeah, I like the simplicity of the end instead of um, instead of going into a whole bunch of detail about right. your program. What, what they're like you said, the first five, they're not going to even listen to it. So just keep it really simple. Would you like some help? I have experience. Would you like some help? Right. Yeah. So, and some people want to know about the detail. And so I'm right. prepared to give Yeah. It. Tell me more. Okay, great. Yeah. Let me tell you more about it. Right. But don't assume that they need more because yeah. I've had people that like stop me halfway through the conversation and like, okay, I'm going to sign up. We just stop the banter. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Right. Like, okay. Why, why are you telling me about all of this? I don't care. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So keep um, it simple. And if they yeah, need more, give them more, have it ready. But yeah, I, I think a good analogy is 99.9% um, .9 of the population, when they go into a restaurant, they do not ask the waiter about step-by-step -step the entire process of how the meal is cooked. <laughs> right. Right. It, um, it would be, yeah, kind of think of it like if, if a waiter came up to you and gave you your script, but just applied it to the restaurant, how would that feel? Right. And I think it would feel really uh, horrible if the waiter came up and said, okay, yeah, so you're, you ordered this, you, you asked me about the steak. Let me tell you. So we, st we start by cutting the meat at a 45 degree angle in uh, half inch slices. Then it is marinated for 37 minutes, right? Um, well, that, yeah. that could be a business model for a restaurant. It could be an absolutely aspiring cooks, right? Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the, you know, then they're saying, you know, we, when you go in, the more detail you go into, even with that business model, you want to have the highlights of like the key things. You don't want to say, you don't want to hear that the, um, that the, while the steak is cooking, these are the other three dishes that are also being cooked at the same time. Right. 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 <laughs> right. The green beans are started three minutes and 47 seconds after the steak is started. Okay. <laughs> I think, and you know, I think that is, um, you know, we're financial coaches. We love to dive in. Most of us like to dive into the details. Right. So it's kind of uh, natural. So I think maybe, maybe this is where a financial counselor has a little more of an advantage that they, they don't think about the details so much at this stage. So um, those are the, the bulk of the questions. Of course, we could talk about this for hours, but I've got some ideas for future podcasts. So I'll put them on our list. And hopefully that answered the general questions that we had in the Facebook group. And if not, post them in here and we can answer them offline. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. 
If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, it also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.